Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 to 2. Brothers, if anyone, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is the reading of God's word. Amen. Thank you for uh, reading the passage for us. Uh, let's take some time just to pray. Let me pray for us before, as we... Uh get into the, the message today. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you and we praise you and we worship you. We are reminded every day of our, our weaknesses, our sinfulness, how flawed we are, and yet we are also reminded of how good, how loving, how faithful you are. And we pray today as we delve into your word and as we think again more about your faithfulness and as we think of how you call sinners like us who have now come saved, to live our lives for your glory. We pray that in our community, we will continue to truly worship you, be an encouragement to each other, continue to follow you in all that we do. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're in the book of uh, Galatians today, and I um, wanted to talk a little bit about, about community. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to preach from Ephesians 4, and we talked about community and action, right? how we, as a community of Christ, how we are called to just love each other, to bless each other, to encourage and to edify each other. And today, I wanted to kind of continue in that line of thought and thinking about community in action. And obviously, it's a different book. That was Ephesians. It's a different book, also written by Paul in the book of Galatians. And he has a, he has a number of things he says, obviously, a lot of great things he says in this book, but I want to take a couple of things in these two verses and to hopefully just to think about what it means uh, to be a community uh, that is really loving each other and seeking to glorify God. Uh, I remember back in my, uh, my youth pastor days, uh, we, we had a, I don't remember if it was a retreat or if it was a, uh, like a, maybe like a lock-in or a revival. I forget what it was, but I remember we wanted to talk about community for some kind of special occasion. And... We were trying to think of like a witty or, you know, like a catchy theme. And so I came up with what I thought was great, which was just, we are family. But everybody rejected it. And so I said, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and so one of our students, um, he came up with this thing called unity. And he, he made it an acrostic. And it was literally you and I together, yo. And I thought, it was, I thought it was very lame. I didn't like it. But everybody else liked it. So then we, we went with it, right? So it was unity, right? You and I together, yo. And that was literally the theme of our, I forget what it was. It was I think it was like a revival or something. Anyway, it was a theme of our event. And I remember thinking, you know, as, as cheesy as that was, I was like, you know, I kind of like what it's saying, right? Like, you know, what does it mean that we're a community, that we're united? Obviously, you, you and I, we're, we're together. And what is it that brings us together? And obviously, it's Christ. Well, we are the body of Christ, but Christ is the head. And so knowing that we are a community where Christ is the head, we are a body, we are united together, and the thing that pulls us together, the thing that brings us together is Christ. Well, then how do I live my life, or how do we, more specifically, live our lives in a way that obviously honors God, but also is really a blessing to each other and really shows Christ to one another? And so there's so many passages that obviously talk about this, and I think Galatians 6 here is just one of those passages. And Paul has just, 
you know, in Galatians 5, talked about the fruit of the Spirit, and he's called us to walk in the Spirit, and now he comes into verse 6, and he says these words. Um, I was going to do the first five verses, but I decided to keep it to two, just to keep it, I guess, more focused here. And he says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, to restore him in a spirit of gentleness, keep watch on yourself, lest you to be tempted. And then he says, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so today, I really have just two points. I know typically a sermon would have three points a lot of times, right? Just two points. One is that we are called to be a community that restores, and two, that we're called to be a community that bears one another's burdens, right? So we're called to be a community that restores, but also we're called to be a community that bears one another's burdens. Now, when you look at this passage, he starts with the word brothers. And obviously, he's talking to the church here, and he's talking to the church in Galatia. So he's talking to the Galatians, and he's already saying, we are brothers, but we're brothers we are sisters in Christ. So I think just, again, if you think about community, before I even really go into this first point, we're a body. We're the body of Christ. But we're also a family in Christ. So we have to have that mindset as we think about how do we treat each other? How do we love each other? How do we bless each other? We're always reminded we are a family. Just like I love my sister, right, or my kids or my wife. I mean, we are called to love one another as a family of Christ. And how do I do that? First, we're called to restore. If you look at verse 1, it says, If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Now, I want to say something here. This does not mean we're supposed to be like the church police, right? I look around, oh, you said, oh, you said a bad word, let me, let me call you out, right? Oh, I think you just lied. Let me call you out. Or, oh, like you didn't do this the right way or you did this the wrong way. And so sometimes we might think, oh, my calling is to point out everybody's flaws, right? You're, you're sinning. You're sinning. That's not right. That's not good. That's not at all what Paul is talking about, right? I mean, actually, I think as, a, as, a, as a Christian, we also are reminded of passages like 1 Peter 4 where he says, love covers over a multitude of sins, or Paul himself in 1 Corinthians 13 where he says, love is not easily angered, love keeps no record of wrongs, love hopes all things, love endures all things. And so, obviously, he's not saying go around and call out every sin. That, that's actually maybe even a sign of immaturity. But he says, if a person is caught, right, I think the specific word here, if a person is caught in any transgression, right, which is another word for sin, you who are spiritual, to restore him. So what does that mean? If you're caught, it implies somebody who's trapped, right? It implies a pattern, not a one-time sin, somebody who's caught in a pattern of sin, somebody who is trapped in the sin. And I think really it's implied here, it's, it's something that's big enough where it may harm myself as I'm sinning, or maybe it might harm somebody else, right? So it's talking about a person who's stuck in a sin, there's a pattern of negative, sinful behavior that is causing some kind of harm, and they're stuck. They can't get out of it. So then what does Paul say? He says, when you see someone, not just that they sinned here and there, not just, you know, you're not trying to call anybody out, but when you see a brother and sister 
stuck in the sin, sinning again and again in the same way, and it's causing them harm, causing maybe other people harm, and they, they're trapped, they, they can't get out of it, you are what? Called to restore them. Now, he says here, you who are spiritual. Now, that doesn't mean, okay, I, I want to just emphasize this here. You might see that and think, oh, well, I'm not spiritual enough to talk to anyone. But really, I think what Paul is saying here is somebody who is in the Spirit. So really, it means somebody who's a Christian, right? because every Christian has the Holy Spirit inside of them. So, so if you are in Christ, if the Holy Spirit resides in you, and then obviously in Galatians 5, it talks about how the fruit of the Spirit is in the person right, who's growing, if you live by the Spirit. So if you're a Christian who has the Holy Spirit inside of you, and if you're seeking to walk in the Spirit and to grow in the Spirit, really, really means any faithful Christian, you, when you see your brother, when you see your sister, and they're stuck in a sin, they're sinning again and again, and it's hurting them, it's maybe hurting other people, don't just stand there, don't just sit there and pretend you don't see it. No. Because he or she is a brother or sister in Christ, and because you love your family member, right? Because you love that brother, because you love that sister, you need to go to him. You need to go to her and restore that person in a spirit of gentleness, right? So it doesn't mean you go to them and be like, hey, what is wrong with you, right? It doesn't mean you throw the book at them, right, and, you, know, and you call them out and you yell at them and make them feel, you know, like terrible. That, that's no, in a spirit of gentleness, with love, with humility. And then he says, keep watch on yourself lest you tempted as well, right? Unless that's you to be tempted. If it is possible, if I, especially if I'm being prideful, right, especially if I'm conceited, I could be thinking I'm trying to help you out, but maybe I fall into the same sin or probably more likely, maybe if not the same sin, maybe I fall into a different sin of pride, right, or arrogance or self-righteousness. And so what is our brother Paul here saying? What is the Apostle Paul saying? He's saying, you are the body of Christ, and part of the way you love each other is when you notice, when you see this brother and sister next to you, and they're suffering, right? They're sinning. They're doing things that they shouldn't be doing. They're stuck in their sin. It's hurting them. It's hurting other people. It is not loving, for you to look the other way and pretend you didn't see it. A lot of times we do that, right? We, we see somebody sinning or stuck in a sin or hurting, and we just, we pretend nothing happened. But because why? Because either we don't care, or a lot of times it's because maybe we care, but we don't care enough to put ourselves in that position where they might reject me and say, no, I don't want to hear that, or they might get mad at me. No, don't call me. Don't talk about my sins. Who do you think you are? Don't judge me. We don't want to have that conversation. We don't want to be in that place. And so what do we do? We pretend we don't see it, or we gossip about them. Did you notice that guy, that girl, always doing this, always doing that, always sitting in this way? Right? We gossip about them. We might talk about them. We might even judge them. But we don't want to put ourselves in a position to actually approach them. Because what if they reject me? What if they get mad at me? What if our friendship gets awkward? Or let's flip it. Maybe they do listen to me. Maybe they are like, oh, man, thank you for speaking into my life. But now what have I done? By speaking into your life, I've given you permission one day 
Maybe to speak into my life, right? Because that would be hypocritical if I can talk about how you're doing and I want to bless you, but I don't want you to do it back to me. So now maybe I don't want that. But I don't mind talking into your life, but no, don't you dare come this way. And so maybe I don't want to put myself out there either. And so for a variety of reasons, we don't want to go there. But it is important for us, if I love you, if I love my brother, if I love my sister, and I see you in a pattern of behavior that you're trapped in and you're hurting yourself or others and you're caught in the sin, I don't want to leave you there. I want to hopefully be a blessing to you by approaching to you, again, with the spirit of gentleness. I want to love you. This is not about me correcting you and trying to, you know, be self-righteous about it. No, it's a matter of I want to come alongside you because I love you. And I want to say, you know what, let me put myself in your shoes. Let me realize you and I are both sinners. I'm not judging you. I'm not saying I'm better than you. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. I need Christ to forgive me of my sins, to redeem me, to change me. And so do you. So help me to be an instrument of change and help me to come alongside you prayerfully, humbly, gently, lovingly try to understand what you are going through and then speak into your life. And again, that's important. I want to say, highlight that here. I think it's important when we do want to speak to somebody. One, we need to love that person. I, don't, I think if you don't feel love for someone, I actually don't think you're the right person to talk to that person. I want to know I love that person. But also, I want to know the person first. Right? I don't want to just go in there and thinking, oh, you're sinning, so let me talk into your life. No, no, no. I want to love you. I want to get to know. Maybe I want to ask the right questions, figure out what is going on with you. What is your struggle Right? Why, what is your heart issues and why, and why are these things happening? And then, again, lovingly, prayerfully speak into your life. And I want to do that very carefully because as I speak into your life, I can be tempted. Maybe by your sin or I could be tempted by pride. I could be tempted by self-righteousness. I could be judging. And so I want to constantly check my own heart with the Lord that I'm doing this lovingly speaking into your life. And I think this is important. Two ways, right? One, I need to be willing to speak into your life. But two, I need to be willing to let you speak into my life. A lot of times Christians say they want accountability. I've heard so many Christians say, I want accountability. I want people, I want community. I want people to pray with. And I want people to do life with and really grow together in Christ. But then... When it comes time for the accountability, when it comes time for that, we don't want that, right? It sounds good, but when somebody really wants to speak into my life, I'm like, leave me alone. Don't worry about it. You don't know me. God knows me. Right? We say that, right? It's like, oh, you don't know me. God knows me. As that, but how does that make me feel better? Because God knows my every sin, right? So I think that's tough in and of itself, but we want to be open to the accountability. We want to invite people to speak into our lives, but also we want to be able to put ourselves out there to speak into your life. And I think that is a mark of a community that loves each other, to open ourselves up to be spoken to, but to be willing to lovingly, gently speak into your life. And so we see this first part, right? If anyone is caught in transgressions, you who are spiritual should restore me in the spirit of gentleness. But then there's a second part, and it says, bear one another's burdens, 
and so fulfill the law of Christ. So the first point is, let's be a loving community, right? We want to be, we're called to be a loving community that restores one another when they're caught in sin. But we're also called to be a loving community that is willing to bear one another's burdens. Now, when you think of a burden, right? So think of it this way. How do you bear somebody's burden? So if somebody is carrying... I don't know, let's say you're so much trying to carry, I don't know, like a piece of furniture that weighs 100 pounds, and they're struggling. If you want to help that person, what do you do? You, you, you come next to them, and you carry it with them. And it helps. Why? Because now, instead of me carrying 100 pounds, if we're doing this evenly, I'm carrying 50 pounds, and you're carrying 50 pounds. Right? And so there's, there's a sense of bearing one another's burdens, right? You know, I, I think I learned that, you know, when I, when I, when I, I remember when I started, like, hitting the gym and trying to work out, you know, it's, you're trying to lift these weights and they're really heavy, and obviously you need a spotter behind you, right, when you're trying to bench because you need somebody to just kind of bear that burden. And you don't need a lot of help sometimes, just need a little bit, but if you don't have it, you can't do it. But if you have a little bit of help, you're able to carry through. As the people of God, as the body of Christ, we are called to bear one another's burdens. Now, Paul does not specify here what those burdens are, and which is good because there are so many different burdens. Obviously, you could think of something very practical, maybe like financial burdens, right? With, if someone is struggling financially, part of the church, right, part of the brothers and sisters in Christ, we're called at times to bless that person, you know, whether it be with food, whether it be, you know, I don't know, some kind of emergency assistance, whether it be whatever it may be, sometimes it's that. Maybe the person is going through a really difficult time, and so they need physically to be helped out with rice or food or whatever, right? It may be a spiritual thing. It may be an emotional thing. We don't really know what Paul is talking about specifically, but here's what we do know. He's saying whatever the burdens are, physical, spiritual, financial, emotional, whatever it may be, relational, he's saying be willing to bear one another's burdens. Now, I want to highlight something here. If I want to bear your burden, it has to cost me, right? Because I'm bearing it. So think about it. If a person's carrying a 100-pound piece of furniture, and if I come next to you and say, hey, let me help you, and if I just kind of like put my hand here and just like, that's not helping. So, so helping that person is picking it up with them, right, so that I'm bearing part of that burden. So here's the thing. When I bear someone's burdens, it is hard. It's supposed to be hard. You ever have someone who is emotionally a wreck and they want to talk to you? And so, you know, you try to be a loving person, loving family member, loving friend, loving church member. So you listen to them and you just listen, maybe for two, three hours sometimes, and, and you're tired. But right? you, you, you ever have somebody talk to you for two, three hours and just like, just, just letting it all out and sharing their struggles and they're crying. And when you listen to somebody for that long, it is tiring. It is draining. But you go, I'm a good person, so I'll do it one day. Now, what if that person comes back to you day two, day three, day four, day five, and they keep wanting to talk to you? They keep wanting to share the same struggle. After day five, you might not pick up the phone. Right? You might be I don't want to deal with you anymore. You might just run away. Right? You might avoid that person. You might start making up excuses of why you can't be there. Why? Because it's hard. 
It is so draining to do that. Why? Because as the person is unloading on you, they're sharing their burden. Now, here's the thing. That person feels better, though. You ever unload on somebody for a couple of hours and share everything you're going through? You feel a lot better after. You're like, man, I feel heard. I feel understood. I feel like somebody's with me. So, of course, you feel better. But the other person's like, right? Why? Because I'm sharing your burden. You feel better because you're being unburdened. But I'm drained. Why? Because I'm taking that burden and it's difficult for me. And that's the way it works. Physically, I'm carrying something heavy. You help me. It's easier for me, but it's harder for you. Financially, if you're in a bad place and I give you money or some kind of financial help, it helps you. But again, how do I feel? I feel I took some of that burden, right? It costs me. And so here's the thing. If I'm like, I'm only going to help somebody if it doesn't cost me anything and just give you a little bit of whatever leftover in my life, that's not really sharing burden. Bearing one another's burdens means I am willing, even at my own cost, even when it is a sacrifice, even when it is difficult for me to help you physically, financially, emotionally, whatever it may be, I am willing to be there for you, not just one day, consistently I'm willing to be there for you, to bear your burdens. And again, two-way street. Just like restoration, I need to be able to talk into you, but also let you talk into my life. This is a two-way street. Some of us are so prideful that when we are struggling, we don't want any help. People say, hey, do you need help? No, I'm fine. But do you need help financially? Nope. Physically? Nope. Emotionally, nope. Spiritually, nope. I'm fine. I'm a rock, right? Like, I got this. That's the way I, you know, I'll help you, but I don't need help. No. As a Christian, if I'm struggling, again, it doesn't matter how it is, I should ask my brothers and sisters for help. Especially if they're offering the help, I should be humble enough to accept it and to say, thank you, God bless you. I'm not saying take advantage of people or you abuse it or you know, abuse it or whatever. I'm talking about when you are genuinely in need of help, there is a humility that I need to say, Lord, I need your help, obviously, but I need help from my brothers and sisters. But also on the other side, there has to be enough love in my heart to say, I want to be a blessing to you. I want to bear your burden. And then he gives you a reason here. And so fulfill the law of Christ. He doesn't say, bear one another's burdens because you're a great person. No, he says, fulfill the law of Christ. So what does that mean? Well, if you look at this chapter 5, one chapter earlier, this is what Paul says. He says at the end of verse 13, serve one another through love. And then he says in verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. What is the law of Christ? It would seem that what Paul is saying is the law of Christ here is to love as Christ loves. Right? Jesus says that himself, this new commandment I give to you are to love, to love one another as I have loved you. And, it's, and so what, is, what does that mean? So why do I want to bear your burden? Because I want to love you 
as Christ has loved me, as Christ has loved us. Think about that for a second. It's hard to bear someone's burdens. It is. It really is. But what gives me the motivation, what gives me the desire, what gives me the strength and the power to bear your burden? Even after maybe 10 days in a row, you've been unloading on me, right, and I'm being drained. Even after you keep needing things from me, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm so tired. I'm so weary of doing good. I look at Christ, who is the burden bearer. When I look at Christ, think about what he did. He is God himself. He came into the world as a man. And then when we look at the cross, we see him going to the cross for the sake of his people and talk about bearing burdens. He literally takes upon himself the penalty of all of our sinfulness. He bears that burden, and he bears a burden that nobody else can bear. I can't even bear that burden. I cannot bear the burden of my own sinfulness. Christ bears it for all of his people, and he literally goes to hell on the cross. But we talk about it every every Sunday in the Apostles' Creed about what he has done for us. And he dies the death that we deserve. He goes to hell himself. He is cursed upon the cross. He bears our burdens as he pays a penalty for all of our sins. He dies the death that we deserve. He bears the burden. Why? Because he loves his people so much that he is willing to do that. And when I understand that love in my heart, and that transforms my heart, what I say is, Lord, I want to love you. Obviously, I want to worship you. But I also look around at my brothers and my sisters who you also die for, whose burdens you also bore. And I say to myself, I want to be like you, Jesus. I want to love as you have loved me, as you have loved us. And so now when I look at their burdens, I have a desire to want to bear those burdens. But also I have a strength and a power to bear those burdens. Why? Because I can keep looking at my Savior who has borne the ultimate burden for me. And that's what it is. Obviously, Christ continues to bear our burdens, right? He says, come to me, all you who are weird and burdened, I will give you rest. And so I continue to give my burdens to Christ. But now, also, I look around and I say, when I'm in need, hey, can you bear my burdens? But also, when you are in need, I can say, I want to be like Christ and love like Christ, and I want to bear your burdens. And that is my prayer, my prayer this afternoon, that we will be a church that is always looking to Christ, the ultimate burden bearer, and we'll say, how can we love in this community as you have loved us? How can we restore with love when people need it? But also, how can we Bear one another's burdens and be Christ-like as we love as Christ has loved us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you and we worship you. Father, we think about Jesus, the ultimate burden bearer who bore our sins upon the cross. And we are just so grateful for all Christ has done that we have a desire now to love as Christ has loved. And sometimes, Father, that means we're called to speak into others' lives, to restore them. But also times it means to be willing to 
bear others' burden as Christ has borne my burden. And Father, we pray that we will be a community acting in love as we love and bless each other, following the law of Christ, the law of love that we have seen. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.